0: Well good morning. How's everybody doing today? Great. It's great to see you all this morning. I'm so glad you're here. How many of you will you'll just confess right now, you believe that we're about to preach on hell because of how hot it is in this room? <laughs> Um, we may preach on hell, but that's really not the topic for today, and I apologize for the temperature. We really believed it was going to be a lot colder outside than it is right now, and so we made the adjustments necessary, and it really is one of the blessings of a building that has some age to it, right? It just takes time for it to make those kinds of adjustments, and so I'm grateful for your patience, and I'm grateful for uh, for your willingness to, uh, to spend a little warm time together, and um, if I see you doing this, uh, that's acceptable, but it's when you take that fan and throw it at me during the sermon, that maybe I might be a little distracted by that. My name's Chad. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so grateful and thankful for our privilege to be able to be together today. Go ahead and take your Bible and turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. That's where we're going to be today. Now I'm going to tell you as you turn to Philippians chapter 3 that as we read this passage of Scripture together, that I may have, uh, because of the translation that I'm using today, I may have created a little bit of confusion. So I want you to see it in your translation of Scripture you can do that on your paper copy of the Bible, or if you've got if you use the UVersion app, you can use the UVersion to, to go to the translation that I'm going to go to. Or if you're using the church app that we have, the church app is an ESV, the extra spiritual version of the Bible. I mean the English Standard Version of the Bible. Um, we use the ESV, that's what I use most frequently. But today I'm using a slightly different translation because I want to be able to show you some things. And so you might go there in your app because that's where sermon notes are, but you also might just take a look at the screen when we read this because the translation that i'm going to use to read philippians chapter 3 verse 10 today is actually the amplified classic version and i'll explain to you why when it's time for us to read that and when we do that but as we uh, as we talk together today, and as we take a look at Scripture, I just want to remind us of where we've been. We've been in this series called "Together in a Changing World," and man, I don't know if you've noticed, but our world is changing a lot. It seems like in 2020, the world has changed drastically, and maybe even uh, in a way that it could could never really we couldn't really ever go back to pre 2020 moments, can we? There's just some things that seems like they've they've changed really uh, forever and so together in a changing world what does that mean for us as a church who are we supposed to be we you know we've spent several months this year uh, not even being able to meet face to face but meeting online rather than in person and so if you're listening to this online I'm so thankful that you're still connected with us maybe you haven't come back into a room because you're still concerned over the effects of COVID or things like that and we certainly understand and and I just want to remind us all that that you can be fully engaged in an online worship experience. Because your focus and your purpose can be, I want to know God through this, this spiritual moment of unhurried time that I've set before him. You can worship passionately through an online experience. And you can be fully engaged in listening to his word taught and responding to what God has for you. You can be fully engaged online. You can also be fully distracted while you're online. So if you're watching online, whether it's this morning or if you're listening online or another morning Let me just challenge you to always come to worship and and plan to be fully engaged, whether you're online or you're in a room. And you've heard me say it the past several weeks. You can come into a room like this, fully face-to-face with me, and be fully disengaged. You can be completely distracted by heat or by people around you or by circumstances that you brought with you into church or the fact that that something didn't happen quite like you expected it this morning. You can be totally distracted from the worship of God and the word that we look at together. And so whether you're in the room or whether you're online, let me just encourage you to be fully engaged in all that we're doing. Not simply fully engaged with me because I'm just so eloquent or so funny or so whatever. I hope you listen to God I hope you're listening specifically, not simply for my voice and the message that I'm bringing today or the message that Rachel and Caitlin were bringing through music. I hope you're not simply listening for that. I hope you're listening for the voice of God as we come to worship today. That's what I mean when I say fully engaged. Fully engaged means that we're participating in this service at a level where when God speaks to our heart and to our mind, we hear it and we understand it. Or I might say we perceive it. We perceive it and we acknowledge it and and we understand it and we do something about it. And so it leads me to that thing that I've said every week for the past several weeks, that your life with Christ is incomplete without a connected relationship to his church. That's why it's so important for us together. Because somehow, whether it's remotely through uh, the technology that God's given us, or whether it's in person in moments just like these, God's given us one another for a reason. And what a blessing it is for me to be encouraged by you in my moment of weakness, and for me to have the privilege of encouraging you in your moment of weakness. It's just the way God designed us And I'm so thankful for that. And as we look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 today, we're going to see what I think of as the primary purpose of who we are as believers and as believers together. I think we're going to see, and Paul defines it really, really well, and the reason why I'm using the Amplified Translation of Scripture is because in the Amplified Translation, it's it tries to amplify the the nuance of the meaning behind the Greek language that this text was originally written in. And so it's not exactly accurate to call it a translation because it's not a literal translation. It's trying to help you see some of the nuances behind the Greek language. And see, here's the reason why understanding the nuance behind the Greek language that it was originally written in, here's why that's important for us to do sometimes. In the English language, we do that as well, because I can stand here and with honesty say, I love my wife, and I do, she's beautiful, and she's awesome, and I love my wife, and because you've spoken English for a long time, you know what I mean when I say that, and in the same breath, I can say, I love ice cream, <laughs> and I do, I love ice cream, I really love ice cream, it's really good, and because you and I have spoken the same language for so long, you understand that when I say I love ice cream, I I don't mean the same thing as when I say I love my wife, right? That's not the same statement. And so there's some meaning behind the word love there that you just get because you're a part of this culture and part of this language. Well, there are times with the Greek language as we look at Scripture that we don't fully get the nuance or the meaning behind the Greek words because we're not Greek, right? We didn't, I don't I don't speak Greek. I just know how to use a dictionary, right, and, and translations of Scripture like this. And so that's what we're going to be looking at here in just a minute. And as we do that, I want to set it up because the very first phrase in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, it's Paul speaking, and he says, for my determined purpose is to know God. That's what he says his determined purpose is. For my determined purpose is to know God. And so it leads to a natural question that I have for you. What is your determined purpose? Do you have a determined purpose? Are you intentional about something in your own life? Do you have a purpose that's maybe bigger than yourself or bigger than your community or or greater than just where am I going to get my next meal or bigger than my next paycheck or bigger than just I just want to have a little bit more fun on this game or I just want to spend a little more time playing or a little more time uh, you know, watching this sport or going to this school or doing this thing? Do you have an intentional direction, an intentional purpose for your life that's bigger than just this next breath that we're about to take. What is your determined purpose? I have, I have uh, several kids. Uh, my oldest is my daughter, Jaden, and uh, then I have three boys, and my three boys like to play video games, and uh, just a few months ago, a new gaming system came out, and my youngest was bound and determined to get this gaming system. I can't tell you the number of times he came to me before it came out to say, Dad, look at this, and he'd show me an advertisement. He'd priced out exactly how much it would cost. He's been working with my wife on the food truck, and so he's been making a little bit of money from the food truck, and so he's been... saving his money back and he would show me this is what it costs dad look this is what it costs and this is what I have and and there would be these moments when I'd say hey how was school today and he'd say good and guess what dad about 15 days from now is when this new gaming system comes out and (laughs) And so his mind was just totally focused around this. And then one day, I come home from work. Now, we're also a family that likes to play. And so uh, when, we, when they were a lot younger, we had an arsenal of Nerf weapons. I don't know if you've ever had a little Nerf war with your family. But we had this arsenal of Nerf weapons. And I come home one day. And as soon as I get home, he grabs me and he takes me upstairs. And he says, Dad, I want to show you something. I've got to, sh- I've got to show you something. And he's got all of our Nerf weapons arranged out on the floor. And he says, Dad, I've done the math. If I sell these, I'll still have these left over. We can still have our Nerf wharves, but these, I'll have enough to buy that new gaming system. <laughs> <laughs> and so he and his mom worked together, and they used, I guess, Facebook Marketplace or something. They sold all these old Nerf guns that we had, and suddenly he had enough money to buy this gaming system. And he, he worked He worked for it. He earned it. And it all happened because <laughs> it was his determined purpose, right? He had made this decision. This is this thing I want. I'm going to go get it. I know how to get it. This is exactly what I'm going to do. As I look out across the crowd this morning, and I notice the lights are out. I don't know if that's intentional or not. It might be easier to read your scripture if the lights are up. So I don't know if you can turn the house lights on or not. Maybe the reason we have those off is because of the, hey, look at that. I can see you. I'm not just talking to myself. This is good. That's great. Sometimes it's the only intelligent conversation I can have, but I'm grateful that you're here. But, uh, as i as i see when each of you out here some of you who are married or some of you who are dating i've noticed that that in your marriage relationship it seems like before you got married you had this determined purpose right um You would, before you got married, you'd make certain before you saw your significant other that you showered, right? (laughs) And that you brushed your teeth and that you put on all the right smelly sauce and all those different things. And, And now maybe that you're married, maybe it's still your determined purpose to remain married, but maybe... You're not as diligent about the shower or the smelly sauce or the makeup or or all the different things that you used to do once you were dating because your determined purpose has been fulfilled to some degree and you're still working on what it is your determined purpose is. So here is Paul. We understand clearly now I think what a determined purpose is and the first thing Paul tells us is my determined purpose is to know God. So, I'm going to ask the question again, and then I'm going to ask us to read this passage of Scripture. And we're going to see Paul's approach to fulfilling his determined purpose this morning and what that means for us today. So, what's that question to you? What is your determined purpose? I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand with me as we read Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. That's our habit and practice. We like to do this because it's a way for us to honor the reading of God's word. And at the end of it, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And you'll respond, praise be to God, because we want to just acknowledge the fact that this is God's word. And like I said, your translation is going to be different. So if looking at your copy of God's word is confusing, you can just look on the screen and read it with me. Here's what Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 says. It says, for my determined purpose is that I may know God, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Paul says right here that his determined purpose is to know God, and it leads me to this idea that, that really, as a believer in Jesus Christ, knowing God should be our first passion. Knowing God is our first passion. The Greek word for know is gnosko. Gnosko is one of those, and there's a lot of different variations of gnosko, but one of the interesting things about the word gnosko is it's not, it's not the knowledge of facts and figures when we're talking about knowing God in this, in this kind of uh, context. Gnosko in this particular context is I can know God the way I know my children and the way my children know me. I can know God the way I know my wife and the way my wife knows me. I can know God in the way I know my best and closest friends and the way my best and closest friends know me. Now, I just need to pause right there in regards to our purpose, our determined purpose and what that really means. It it ought to be somewhat startling to you, and it ought to be somewhat impressive and somewhat amazing to you that the God of all creation that the one who is never wrong, who is always perfect, and who is all powerful, that he would be interested in knowing you and being known by you at all. That ought to be somewhat startling, right? And and I'm afraid that in our generation, we've just become so familiar with and so comfortable with the language of Scripture, because Scripture points very clearly to the idea that God wants us to know Him. He 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 wants us to be known by Him, and He wants us to know Him. He's made Himself known for such a long time, I think maybe we've come to take that as a light matter, but it's really a big matter. It's really a big deal. I can't remember the last time I stepped on an ant, right? Uh, you know, like an ant, like a little red ant out on the playground or outside. You would see one crawling in your kitchen or something, you know, you squish the ant. And you just don't think twice of it, right? You don't think twice of it because you're so much bigger than they are and so much stronger than they are, so much smarter and so much faster and so much better in every way than an ant, right? And so it just never crosses your mind that that ant is even a thing to be concerned with, Right? And as far as we are above the ants, God is an order or several orders of magnitude beyond us. Yet God himself says, I want to know you and I have made myself known to you. As believers in Christ, it is a remarkable, miraculous thing that we have the privilege of knowing God. And Paul says, my determined purpose is to know him. And I hope and pray that your first passion that knowing God is your first passion. I'm reminded of John chapter 17, verse 3. John 17, verse 3, it actually defines what eternal life is in John 17, 3. John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. If your entire life, all you've ever figured out about spirituality is that that being good is about going to heaven, that's not God's intended purpose for you. Um, if if all you think about spirituality and coming to church and 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 being you know being involved in a church life, if you think that the whole purpose about that is behavior modification, just so I can be nice to people and so that I can be good enough to earn my way into heaven, you've totally missed the mark and you've missed the point because John seventeen three says eternal life, heaven, the focus of who we are and why we cr- we were created is actually what it says in John seventeen three that this is eternal life. That they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Heaven is nothing more or less than intimate relationship, intimate knowledge, and intimate proximity to God. And we achieve that through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, Christ, his son. God has made himself known. He's made himself knowable, and he wants to be known by you. And that is the first and the last, and the middle, and the everything of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Because here's the secret that I don't think anyone catches. I don't have to go to heaven right this minute in order to know God right now. I can have a deep, significant, and meaningful relationship with my Heavenly Father in this moment, and it's the reason why the end of this passage refers to his sufferings, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness. It's the reason why in the middle of suffering, I can still feel the joy of heaven and the peace that passes understanding, because the one Who is worth knowing, the one who has made himself known is God the Father. And he is here with us and he is for us, and he has a desire for this relationship. Uh, for us to have this deep and intimate relationship with us, and so knowing God, it needs to be our first passion. it needs to be our determined purpose that just like my son with that with that play that game system that he wanted, he was arranging his finances in a way that would allow him to get it, he was arranging his toys in a way that, that he could get it, he was arranging his conversations with his friends, with his family, with his mom and dad in a way so that he could get that thing that he had made his determined purpose. Have you made your determined purpose, is your determined purpose, to know God? You see, that's the essence of the Christian life. All these other things, heaven for eternity, that flows out of knowing God. Being able to have a right relationship with one another. The kind of relationship where I'm quick to forgive when I've been wronged and I'm quick to repent when I'm the one who is wrong. Having that kind of opportunity, being uh, well, being filled with the fruit of the Spirit, that, that, that fruit of the Spirit that we talk about often with uh, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. All of that flows out of our knowledge of and relationship to our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. That whole idea that temptation is easy to identify and sin is easy to avoid when my eyes are on my heavenly Father and not on all this other stuff that I want. Have you ever noticed this about your own life? Have you ever noticed that we have this tendency to do this? We have this tendency to gaze at our problems. And I'm gazing at my problems. And because I'm so focused in gazing on my problems, I have this tendency to, to stumble over these, these roadblocks that are in my way or to fall into these pitfalls of depression or despair or anger or covetousness or where, man, God, I'm looking at my problem and I look over and I see that guy's problem and his problem's not nearly as big as my problem. And so now I'm jealous or I'm envious and I'm just so focused. I have this tendency to gaze at my problems and glance at my Savior. And because I'm so focused at gazing at my problem and glancing at my Savior, there are times when my problems feel so overwhelming and so big that when I finally glance at my Savior, it's almost in accusation. God, I can't believe you'd do this to me. God, I can't believe. Look at all the things I've done, God. Look at what I've been through. I can't believe you. And it almost sounds like Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Adam, hey, where are you guys? God's asking. And Eve says, well, we were, you know, they they say, well, we were hiding ourselves because we knew we were we knew we were naked. Isn't that a good church word? We knew we were naked. And Adam, how'd you know you were naked? Well, the woman did this thing. She told me to eat this stuff. And so he's, he's casting blame. And I think sometimes we spend so much time gazing at our problems that when we finally glance to our Savior, we accuse him of being the one who's wrong. When your determined purpose is to know God, do you know what, do you know what becomes different about your life? You spend your life gazing at your heavenly Father. (laughs) And when you spend your time, your determined purpose, focused on Him, all of these other things, are there still problems? Absolutely. Are there still obstacles? Oh yeah, there's still obstacles. Are there still pitfalls? Are there still temptations? Are there still problems? Absolutely. All those things are still true. But now I'm looking at the creator of the universe And all those things, well, I just get this eternal perspective on them that somehow now all those huge problems that were so insurmountable when that's all I could look at, when I'm looking at him, they just seem so right-sized, right? They just seem so small because the creator of the universe is with me and he's for me and he's guiding my thoughts and my steps. He's guiding the intent of my heart. He's showing me the way I should go and teaching me the way I should follow. That's what it means to know God, to make, God, make knowing God your first, your first passion. You know, there's some words in, in Philippians 3.10 in the Amplified Version that I think are interesting. It says, for my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Progressively means my relationship with God is a step-by-step function. I can actually draw close to God today. I can draw closer to Him today than I was yesterday. Well, how do I do that? Well, I gaze at my Savior. And then when I glance at my problems, when I glance at my temptations, when I glance at the things that are distractions, all of a sudden I see that they're right-sized and I understand the will that my Heavenly Father has for me because I, because I know Him. And that's my determined purpose. I'm progressively taking one step at a time. And I don't know where you are today. Maybe your life is a miserable mess. Maybe things are falling apart. And can I assure you, you didn't get there just suddenly. You got there one step at a time, right? And so right now today, in this moment, you're one step away from knowing God in a way that leads to the life you've always dreamed of. Or one step away from running away from God toward the thing that causes you the greatest amount of pain and suffering and sorrow you've ever experienced. More pain than you could ever imagine. And so right now, today, what if that one step that you took wasn't a step away from God? What if that one step you took was a step to say, God, today, determined purpose, I'm going to follow you. And then tomorrow, you know what you do? You get up and, man, it's hard. My body hurts. It was a hard night last night, a hard day yesterday. Some things this weekend just didn't work for me. My truck's falling apart, whatever. Okay, God, today I'm going to take all of those concerns, I'm going to lay them at your feet, and I'm going to take a step towards you I may that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him you walk with him and he walks with you and then perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly perceiving means I see it perceiving I can see it I can see what it is to have a relationship with God recognizing means I acknowledge it man there's this is A relationship with God is better than the life I've been leading. So I recognize it. Now I understand it. Oh, this is what God, this is what you intend for me to be. And this is what you intend for me to do. This is the life that you intend for me to have. Simply because, not because I know all the answers. And not because I've got a thousand verses memorized. And not because I'm just trying real hard to be a good guy. But because as I walk with God, he walks with me and he makes the path straight. He makes the decisions clear. He makes the opportunities clear. Well, he opens those opportunities wide as I walk with him and as I know him. So the the first idea I see in Philippians chapter 3 is that knowing God should be our first passion. And the next idea is that imitating God should be our first priority. Imitating God should be our first priority. So now if I'm going to know him, imitating him should be the next thing that I do. I don't know, uh, I'm going to show my age when I say this, but one of my favorite movies uh, when I was a little kid, because it was a scary movie, was Jaws. Y'all ever seen the movie Jaws? It's about, it's about the shark. You've got Sheriff Brody, and he's trying to beat the shark. And I watched it one time without the music that John Williams provided for it. It looked like a national National Geographic special. It didn't seem spe- it didn't seem scary at all. But suddenly you put that music, that music with it. Suddenly it's, it's scary. So here's Sheriff Brody, and it has nothing. To, this scene has nothing to do with the shark, but. Sheriff Brody, he's, he's trying to figure out, he's sitting at his breakfast table, he's just trying to figure out, how do, I, how do I protect this city from this animal that's trying to eat everybody? How do I do that? He's, and you can just tell the weight of the world is on his shoulders and he's got his head in his hands at the breakfast table and his five-year-old little boy is sitting there with him. And it's just such a cute scene because nobody says a word. as Sheriff Brody covers his face, his, his son covers his face. And Sheriff Brody doesn't notice at all. And then he looks up and he takes a drink, and his son looks up and he takes a drink. And the whole time, his son's got his eye on him, got one right? And then, then Sheriff Brody notices, and then he starts doing things, and he does things with his hands, and then the son does things with his hands, imitating God. Should be our first priority, isn't that what? Isn't that what a child of God? Isn't that just what we do? Isn't that what that means to be a child of God? That I just want to, when I grow up, I want to be, be like my dad when I grow up. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Look at what this says. It's right there on the screen. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Our first passion should be to know God. Our first priority should be to imitate God. You know, that's related to another verse of scripture that says, it's 1 Corinthians 11.1. It says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. You know, the closer I walk to God, the easier it should be to be able to see God's influence in my life. You ought to, with honesty, I can't imagine being, Paul's the one who said, he wrote both of these verses. I can't imagine having the guts that Paul had to say to anybody, to look him in the eye and say, hey, if you'll just do what I'm doing, you'll be doing what God did. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. But as we walk with God, as we become imitators of God like little children, as we do that, as we follow Him, we grow to the point that other people become inspired by our faith and they want to know God too. And it leads me to some bold prayers and some bold ideas. If we're imitating God in following Him, there's some things that ought to be true about who we are. It ought to be easy to see that our determined purpose is to know God, because there's some should be some truths in our lives. And some of these things you hear me say frequently, and I say them frequently because it is my hope and my prayer that this is the definition of who we are. That the people in the in the in the in the houses all around this church, that people all over Tulsa and in the community all around us, every place that we have in influence or everywhere that we're responsible for that it becomes easy for the world to see if you say you attend this place then that you're someone who knows God And because you know him, you can introduce him to others. That you become someone whose life is worth imitating, not because you're so amazing, but because the God you serve and the God who loves you and the God who gave everything for you is amazing. And so here's some things that I have just believed about who we are that I think should be known about us. This should be known about you, just like they're known about God, because all of these things are examples of what I've seen my heavenly father do for us. Here's one of them. Here's some things I hope that we'll be as we imitate God, that we'll love all people. That's part of our, part of our uh, vision statement, right? That we'll love all people to Christ and equip them on their journey with God and one another. But I hope it goes beyond that, that deeper meaning of love that, that we have, not just a surface level. That we'll love all people. That we'll love people who are like us. That we'll love people who aren't like us. That we'll love people who don't like us. And that if we're honest, we would love people that we may not naturally like. You see, that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. He came to a world filled with people who didn't like him at all and showed them what love really was. And died for us and gave something for us that's remarkable. And then the next idea is I hope we'll go places we've never been before and do things we've never done before in order to share the gospel with people we've not yet met. That's part of who I think we should be as a a group of believers. We should be those people who will go places we've never been before and do things we've never done before in order to share the gospel with people we've not yet met. Now what does that mean when I say that? We've got people in this room right now who are making plans to go to Lebanon on a mission trip. We have people in the room right now who are making plans to go uh, to Gambia uh, on a mission trip in order to share the love of Jesus wherever they go. We've got people in the room right now who are praying about whether or not they should go live in England for a period of time in order to share the love of Jesus with people. So certainly it means going out and away to meet people you've not met yet in order to share the love of Jesus. But sometimes it means something far more narrowly focused than that. Maybe it means just showing up at work tomorrow, ready, willing, and able to put in a hard day's work and to work in a way that's different than all of the other employees at that place. Not so that you can earn a dollar and climb a ladder, but so that you can be, so that you can represent your heavenly father well. So that in that moment when there's a problem or a crisis, they look to you and ask the question, you always get this stuff right. How does that happen? And in that moment, you can say, well, I prayed for you guys this morning before I got here. And I'm still praying. I'm praying for all of us that we would be fill in the blank. And then that you would have an opportunity or you would take an opportunity in your workplace, on the ball field, wherever you are, To simply share the love of Christ with who you are and with how you act. Sometimes it's not about going away to share the gospel. Sometimes it's about simply showing up and telling people about the God you know. And you've seen this in me, right? When I stand in this place, it's hard for me not to talk about my family. It's hard for me not to talk about my wife and tell stories about the silly things we do together. It's hard for me not to talk because I live with them. I walk with them all the time. They're in my, they're in my days. That's the way our relationship in knowing God is and should be. And you ought to be able to do that at work. You ought to be able to do that at home, at school, and, and wherever you go. We are going to be those people that we're going to go places we've never been before. And, and, and do things we've never done before in order to share the gospel with people we've not yet met. We also need the people who will use who we are and what we have for the glory of God and the good of others. We ought to be generous to one another. We also ought to look for ways we can give more than we can afford and trust God to provide. That's what a sacrifice is. All of those things are are examples of what Christ did for us. That last idea that we'll give more than we think we can afford and trust God to provide. Man, isn't that hard for us as well, I'll say as Americans, because that's my experience and that's kind of our experience together. Isn't it hard for us to sacrifice, to give more than we think we can afford and trust God to provide? When I talk about sacrifice, I'm not talking about sitting in a hot room, listening to a service. I'm not talking about uh, giving lots of money, though that may be one way God asks you to sacrifice. I'm talking about making your life inconvenient so that someone else can be served. I'm talking about risking your reputation so that the grace of God can be amplified in the place that you work. I'm talking about staying up a little bit later and getting up a little bit earlier because this idea of progressively knowing God starts and with knowing his word. So I'm going to get up a little earlier so I can read something from his word every day. and day. I'm going to stay up a little bit later so I can end my day in prayer. And throughout my day, I'm going to let the word of God and my knowledge of Him—not just facts and figures, but my walk with Him—influence every aspect of who I am and what I'm doing. And so I'm going to sacrifice some time, a little sleep, and sometimes I'm going to fa- sacrifice a little money, and sometimes I'm going to sacrifice a little inconvenience or reputation. And I want to do all those things because I saw my heavenly Father do that for me through His Son. And here's the last thing I want us to see out of this whole passage of scripture that's just very simple but so, so significant. Knowing God is only possible. It's only possible because he loved us first. I was with my mom this weekend and as you know, uh, my dad passed away recently and my mom is just amazing and it's crazy to see the ways she loves me. Um, i I'm having some truck troubles. She's trying to help me fix my truck. Mom, what do you know about fixing a truck? You don't know how to fix a truck. She's trying to help me with that. I can't go to her house without leaving fatter because she just she made for us um, chicken fried pork chops and mashed potatoes and corn, and we ate way too much while we were there with peanut butter uh, peanut butter uh, cookies. and it was just phenomenal, and it's just awesome. and it's just the ways my mom loves me and my kids. And she was loving me long before i even knew who she was right makes it easy for me to want to please my mom makes it easy for me to want to honor her and to help her as much as i possibly can the only reason knowing god is even possible (laughs) is because he loved you first and he demonstrated his love for this for, for you in this that while you were still a sinner While you were one of those people who looked to God and said, I don't want to have any part of you, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. And now because of what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary, your sin can be forgiven, your relationship with God can be restored, and the creator of the universe, that it's miraculous to think that he would want anything to do with us because he is as far above us as we are above the lowliest lowliest, and lowest of creatures, it's miraculous to think he would want anything to do with us, yet he has looked to each and every one of us and said, one of us and said I love you, with this everlasting love, and I'm willing to move heaven and earth to make a way for you to have a right relationship with me and a right relationship with one another. I did it through my son. I sacrificed my one and only son so that you could know me and be known by me. We can know God because he loved us first. So let me invite everyone, if you would, to bow your head and close your eyes. We're gonna have an opportunity to just respond to the things we've heard today. And really, the the challenge is twofold. As we sing, it's an opportunity to to respond. I hope you've heard through the word, the voice of God. And if you're not a believer, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're not someone who even believes it's possible to know God, but you've heard today what it means to, to know him, what the possibilities are, that through Jesus Christ, you have a creator who can be known. Then as soon as we get done praying, as soon as I say amen, come to the front and just talk to me about it. Just let me know. Hey, I want to know more about what it means to trust in Jesus and to know God. I'd be glad to talk with you about it. After the service is over, Jonathan will be here, Messiah will be here, Bruce will be here, Rachel will be here. There'll be so many others in the room who would love to visit with you about what it means to know God. And so, come talk to us and just let us know. And then there's another group in the room and those are people that are like me. We've been followers of Christ for a long time. Let me just challenge you with that idea. This verse says that we can progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him. How's your walk with Him? Are you closer with Him today than you were yesterday? And what would it take for you to be closer with Him tomorrow than you are today? Heavenly Father, thank You so much that You've made Yourself known. I pray that in the moments ahead, that you, your saving grace, would, would reach into someone's heart today, and that you would make yourself known to someone who's far from you. For those of us who know you, I pray that today we would draw closer to you than we were yesterday, and that tomorrow will be even closer than we were today. Thank you so much that you've made yourself known. I pray that this would be our determined purpose, to know you, to make you known. We love you, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name.